0: the afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. It's going to be a lovely hour with Vince Miller. He's in studio. We're going to be uh, chatting about uh, the book of James. He speaks at men's retreats all over the country, and he's focusing a lot on James right now. So he's the half brother of Jesus, and we're going to talk about uh, the making of a real man. Does that apply?
1: Uh, yeah. Does sound about right, Vince?
0: It
2: sounds exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Making of a real
0: man. <laughs> You know, I, I think some people push against that expression, including mm-hmm. me. We're going to redefine it. For <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Let's make it a welcome thing, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Man. Yeah, you kidding? That's yeah. great. Yeah. So, uh, where do you want to start? You want to start with the the trials, the the yeah. external test of trials?
2: Yeah. Why not? I mean, this is kind of what i do each year i think you know this each year i focus on a a different character or man of the bible Mm -hmm. and i choose to see life through their lens and then i speak at these retreats across the country so i teach on that topic all year and i get to teach on just one guy and i really get to know these guys of the bible very intimately this way and teach men what i see through their eyes this this year it's james so I'm super excited about James. He is the half brother of Jesus. And so he really got to witness a real man growing up in his house, right? We, mm-hmm. of course, we believe that Jesus Christ is the prototype for all men. And, uh, James gives us insight, I think, uh, kind of post Jesus Christ, of course, where he kind of gives us kind of these glimpses back at what it looks like. Not necessarily to grow up in his home, but to look at the life of Jesus and then replicate that in our lives. And, you know, I think a lot of people look at the book of James and dismiss it for it not being so theologically rich. But I've just discovered over the last year in reading James that James is just a dude like any other dude, Mm -hmm. right? Some other dudes about what it means to look at a life of a dude named Jesus Christ, who happened to be his older big brother dude, but was also his Lord and Savior. Right that's awesome, yeah,
0: <laughs> all right, let 's talk about some of the trials,
2: yeah, absolutely, so you know in james chapter one we get to we get to look at kind of the unfolding, I think, of a couple of very important tests that I believe all men face because I think that men really struggle to understand what it means to be a man. And if you asked a guy what it means to be a man, uh, to be honest, I think he would have a hard time coming up with that question. Uh, Yet he would resort to turning to uh, certain thoughts or, or cultural depictions, or even I would say worldly rites of passage to kind of figure that out. For example, I think a lot of men contrast Manhood with womanhood, which is a mistake, by the way, because perfect manhood and womanhood are, are really not that different. Uh, they have many of the same attributes. And by the way, God created both, I believe, according to the Bible, in his image to represent him. And of course, yes, we are created different. You know, we have different appendages on our body, for example. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that doesn't make us men. That just makes us male by gender but it really forces us to ask the question you know what does make a man if it isn't just contrasting us with womanhood then what is it so uh, a lot of guys also pursue kind of these cultural rites of passage believing that manhood is kind of the opposite of childhood you know that we grow up at some point we have these certain rites of passages or these moments that we become adult men yet i also know when i read scripture that jesus turned to Children and said there were attributes in kids, young, young kids, that he hoped adults would have, such as faith and abandonment and almost a recklessness of trust toward another individual. And so Jesus welcomes them. So there are certain attributes, I would say, of childhood and of adulthood uh, that, uh, yes, make a man, but don't entirely make the man. And then another way I think that some people pursue uh... manhood is by role or position for example such as i'm a leader of people or i'm a father or uh... i'm a husband but i also know many men who are not married right bill that are also excellent men that have attributes that some of those men don't have that actually make them great men. And then, of course, I think one of the greatest studies, at least in art, in our time, you know, over the millennia was the book that Aristotle wrote entitled <laughs> Neo-Mankean Ethics, if you ever want to pick it up and read it. And he talks about these, these 12 virtues in there that make men things like courage and temperance and patience, et cetera, et cetera. And he talks about them, but he talks about them coming from really within ourselves, pursuing them by our own strength. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, as we're trying to understand manhood, we have to look up and realize that all these pursuits are just us pursuing a world's idea of masculinity, that they're not us pursuing manhood, because really the simple answer to the question is, what makes a man is God makes men, is the answer. God makes men. He actually made the first one, by the way. You mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't know that. And we screwed it all up. And then from that point on, he kind of looked for someone who would represent him, thus created his own prototype, Jesus, who then gathered 12 men to show them what it looked like to be a man. And therefore, You know, the mold was created. You know, this is what it looks like to be a man. And I think that's what James saw here is James saw the prototype of men, of man, his older half-brother, who is also his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then he watched him face certain tests. And as he watched him face these two tests, he realized, well... That's really what makes the man of God. And the two tests are this. It's the test of trials. James talks about that in the first chapter. And also the test of integrity. In fact, here's how James puts it in James chapter 1. I think it's verse 12. It says this. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And then if you jump up to verse 2, he says this. Count it all joy, my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So, so James sees something in Jesus, I think that is a depiction for him of what it looks like to be a real man. And one of these is how we encounter tests. And the way James describes for us that we should look at these tests or the tests of trials themselves is to look at them actually with joy. And I got to be honest with you, the last year has been a year of tests, right? And we don't think about joy when we think about them at all. In fact, we want to, like, remove them, get rid of them, pray them away. But that's not what James says here. He says, look, have a different look at the trial. See it with joy and what i think that he's describing here if you continue to read the chapter is he's saying don't look necessarily just at the trial see what the trial produces because on the other side is joy and we face trials with sight of heaven that doesn't produce immediate happiness necessarily but it does produce lasting joy and i love this about james because he has been through himself Many, many trials. In fact, he was in a church in Jerusalem, one of the very first ones that was experiencing all kinds of trials, right? Because it was a very new experience for their faith at the time. So we know Peter's planning a church. James is there with them. They're going through all these uh, massive trials, and they're experiencing a famine in their land. So we can't say that he doesn't understand trials because, by the way, he watched his older brother, his Lord and Savior, Also face off with the trial of all trials and experienced it with joy. Now, the second thing he talks about here is a test of integrity in chapter one. So he talks about, you know, being doers, not only hearers of the word. And what I love about this is he's referencing things that Jesus said numerous, numerous times. Even if you go back to the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about, look, we've got to integrate Our hearing of God's word with the doing of our life, not just simply what we say with what we do. I would call that being a man of your word. He's talking about hearing God's word and being a man that does that word. That's called being a man of God's word, of the word, not just our word, of his word. And therefore, we integrate those two things together. And I think James is saying to us, you're going to face two tests in this life as men. You're going to face an external one, which is one of trials. You're going to face an internal one, which is one of integrity. And what should you do when you face off with these things? This one thing, steadfast. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. I love that. I mean, James I mean it is painting a well, beautiful picture.
0: Yeah, well said too, Vince. Really? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. You're yeah. off to a good start. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Not really. I, I'm super excited. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah.
0: I mean, I usually like grading, grading my guests 15 minutes into the show. So okay, you're okay. getting a big A right now. Okay, big thanks, A plus. Man. A plus I would give you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I am want to go to break, but I also want to ask our listeners, what trial did you have that challenged you and made you realize you were experiencing manhood? And you went, Ooh, it was that episode that bumped me into a different place, a different level. Uh, so let me know what that is if it comes to mind, and you can text it over to me. I'd love to hear it. eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four What trial did you go through that really challenged you and made you realize I'm moving into a different level? Huh? This is I'm a this is manhood now. We'll be right back.
1: You're listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance.
0: We're back with Vince Miller, founder and president of BResolute.org. Go to BResolute.org. Learn all about Vince. He's got a lot of books, written a lot of, a lot of stuff. Yeah, he had a lot of, a lot of good, good stuff
2: over there. There's fun stuff. I've, uh, I've made a challenge for myself to write uh, five thematic small group studies this year, and five studies on books of the Bible. So uh, that's ten studies in all. And uh, that was your goal? Yeah, it's my goal. Mm-hmm. I've written three of them. Wow. Already. So my goal so we'll is see. to
0: watch every episode of Gilligan's Island. <laughs> But there's only three seasons. I know. Right? That's, why I,
2: that's why I feel like it's a goal don't I can achieve. Me, don't ask me why I know that.
0: <laughs> okay, let's uh, review this. I love this. Every man's going to have a, an external test, which would be trials, and an internal test, which would be one of his integrity.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I think we're all going to face it. And we got to face off with it, James says, with steadfastness. Mm-hmm. Man, that is a, such a good image, isn't it? It's like I kind of imagine that a guy is standing on a line and he's got a musket in his hands you know, that he's just loaded <laughs> and the enemy is charging at him. And uh, his, his, uh, the guy who's leading his regiment is just yelling, hold, hold, hold. And, and I think that's the imagery here with the steadfastness is to hold the line as long as we possibly can. And, uh, I, I, love that imagery. That is a man who's saying, look, I'm going to stand fast. But, you know, these trials are really, we have to recognize it's these trials are suffering for doing right, not for doing wrong, mm-hmm. right? Because there's, there's no grace, as Peter says, in suffering for doing wrong, right? That's called punishment, by the way. Uh, it's suffering for doing right. And when we stand fast for doing right, God, there will be blessings and it's us built in steadfast character we Mm -hmm. get to know the suffering of jesus christ i love that stuff yeah there
0: so vince let's just speculate how many external tests and internal tests would the average guy have going on at once right now well i mean uh, we've all got trials right everyone's facing a, a number of trials in their life and they also have got a number of internal things that are challenging their
2: integrity Absolutely. I mean, you just think about what's happening in the world. I mean, we have all these uh, external trials that we're facing, you know, like such as a a pandemic and a sickness. And uh, we talk about a political mess and we have stuff going on in a church that's probably affecting us, stuff in our business, whether we own it or we're employed by it. But then you start to look at. Also, we have all these micro trials, right? Like, yeah, the world's falling apart, but my car is falling apart right. at the same time. Yeah, the world is sick, but I've got cancer, too. Mm-hmm. Like, And then uh, we, we face off with all these things. They, they create all this anxiety right inside of us, and it's hard to understand how to respond to that, both externally and internally. Yet, James says here, stand fast, stand fast, be steadfast. In God's word, be hearers and doers of it. Stand fast. Mm-hmm. So I love the imagery. It's I do powerful. too. You know, when
0: when we're, we learn in Scripture that we're not supposed to be anxious for anything, when we show up anxious to God, how does how do you think God feels about that?
2: You know, I, I think it's. I, I actually think that, and this dives into really the second message. Uh, just to jump ahead with you, but I actually think. That fear and anxiety uh, produces or is produced by, by the world and our response to the world and our trust in the world rather than our trust in God, right? Because uh, a fear is not a bad thing when we are fearing in the right object. For example... Fear of God is not a bad thing. That should produce a holy anxiety <laughs> in us. But fear of this world uh, produces a wild anxiety, right? And and uh, it, it produces something that us, uh, isn't anchored and causes us to run all over the place. In fact, in the second message, I talk about how exposed men are great men. Exposed men are great men. And I think anxieties actually do that in us. They they expose who we are uh, from the inside out. And sometimes we're really scared of being exposed, but we shouldn't be because God is doing a great work there to show us what we're actually trusting in. Is it something of the world or is it God, the person of God himself?
0: Say more about that, Vince, because when you say the, a man shouldn't feel nervous about being exposed, I don't know if I understand what that means.
2: Yeah. So let, let's just talk about, uh, l- let me, I'll tell you something that I, I did during the pandemic that really uh, awakened my mind. Okay. So uh, I, I send out tens of thousands of emails every day to people who subscribe to uh, a writing that I put out called the men's daily devotional. And I decided at the beginning of the pandemic to put a button on the website. I was really nervous about it. And here's what the button read. It read, need prayer with a question mark. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was worried about it because, you know, my staff team isn't all that big. It's just me. So anyway, anyway, so I put this button on the website, and it wasn't overwhelming at first, but people started to reply to it. And actually what I do is I pull a mic over, just like the mics we're talking in right now, and I record a two- to three-minute prayer for each one of the men that write me. I send it back to them. Yeah, that's what they usually say. Wow. So I wrote it back to, I write these prayers back to them, but after... Hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of prayers, I realized that men only pray for five things. Seriously, five things. There was mm-hmm. never a sixth thing. Here are the five things. Their marriage was one, right? Health was another. Finances is another. Compulsions is another. And then the last one is vision and calling. There was never a sixth thing. I don't know if you got wow. all those things. Their marriage, health finances right compulsions and vision and calling that is it Mm -hmm. there's never been a sixth thing well i came to discover that these men what they were actually doing is that they were entrusting prayer requests to me someone they didn't know who didn't know their situation right and they were exposing themselves to someone for the very first time really and i realized that in this exposure Of these men and what was going on in their lives, that they were very detailed. Sometimes it was just like chicken scratch that they were writing because they were so nervous. And other times it was really beautiful. But I came to discover that these men are exposing themselves to me because they needed to get it out in the open. Here's why. Because they were hiding behind a cycle of fear and shame. Fear and shame. Fear that causes them to hide. Shame that keeps them stuck. Right? And we all know how fear and shame works because there has been nothing but fear and shame propagated in our world today. Let me give you an example of it. OK, so I, I got this mask right here. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, there are some people that say, well, uh, if you're a mask wearer, so I'm going to put my mask on right now so you can hear me muffled. Right. Okay. But, I, you know, some people say, hey, wear the mask because if you're not wearing the mask because they're afraid of a disease, they shame somebody else who's not wearing a mask because they're not. Helping to contribute to what's going on in society they're not they don't care about other people's health Mm -hmm. on the other side of the fence There's these people of course. We know that won't wear a mask right because they feel that wearing a mask is to Make themselves subject to government control and they're afraid of government control therefore they shame people that do wear a mask Well, you can see how we weaponize this and this has been weaponized all over the place right a little bit of fear and then we use shame To convince and to sway someone over to our fear, and we do that all the time. Well, here's the thing. This actually happens inside of men all the time privately. So, for example, they have a problem dealing with, I've already said, the five things, right? Their marriage, their health, their finances, their compulsions, their future, and therefore they deal privately with this fear, right, about this thing. They don't share it with anybody, and then, oops, they blow it, so they shame themselves privately is what they end up doing. And that shame becomes a weird form of penance to them. And then they feel, oh, I feel a little bit better because I shamed myself. And then the same thing happens again. So they go back to the compulsion again, whatever it was, right? Back to the compulsion, except this time the sin is worse. And then thus from that, they shame themselves more. And it continues. And the cycle gets bigger and bigger and bigger until they really start weaponizing it against themselves. Until one day someone catches the fact catches a fact From them, then they know that something is wrong, that this guy is hiding behind this wall. So they realize, someone realizes that something's off about this guy, that he's been hiding behind some weird sin or compulsion or issue that he hasn't shared with anybody. And then all of a sudden, someone catches it, and he does what most men do. He denies, he blames, he explains, he does everything but bring it out into the open until finally he has to share it with everybody. And he comes out behind this wall of fear and shame, and it's as if he's reborn. He's reborn. I mean, literally reborn. I don't tell. I can't tell you how many men I've watched do this in my life. You see this happen mostly in uh, pain-based groups with men who are pushing through alcohol addiction, maybe sexual compulsions, maybe an addiction to narcotics, maybe they've been incarcerated. But they get in this group where they break free from these fear, this fear and shame, and they begin to ask themselves, "Why did I wait so long?" To break out of this prison of my own making. And I got to tell you, this is exactly what James is talking about in James chapter 2 and chapter 3. He wants people to understand right, that how you treat people and how you speak to people matters. Because often all this happens because we as men or as human beings or as Christians have been hiding behind fears and shames that we don't want to expose to the world. And that's exactly where God wants us. He wants us to be exposed. He wants us to be conscious free. He wants us to walk around, not victimized by our own fear and shame, but to live like your last guest said, holy and in freedom, right? That's what uh, Paul talked about in Galatians chapter 5. He wants us to discover the freedom of the Spirit to walk, be led by, and keep in step with the Spirit. And I think most people, when they get a taste of that, oh, it's amazing. It's the first time that they've discovered what it means to be led by the Spirit of God when they've broken through that fear and shame. And that's what I love about exposed men, mm-hmm. is God wants us to be exposed because there. In a pure relationship with God, we can live conscious free. So I go about my life living conscious free. (laughs) I like it. Just got a a
0: note. Uh, Scripturally speaking, when it comes to spiritual maturity, now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant, but solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. That's, of course, Hebrews 5. That said, when the Holy Spirit has trained the individual in these principles, he is then considered mature in the message of righteousness. Only then do we move from infant to adult in our spiritual maturity. Mm, so good. That's good. Good comment. Yeah. Thank you for that comment. A uh, very smart listener once again. And Virginia said, I appreciate Vince's insights. As do I, Virginia. Thank you for writing. We'll take a little break. We'll be back more with Vince Miller. You can go at beresolute.org to learn more about Vince. He's awesome. Be right back.
1: You're listening to an Encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. It's
2: the Afternoon Show with Bill Arnold. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started.
0: I have Vince Miller as my guest today, and I'm only mildly threatened by his semi-professional radio voice. But uh, Vince, I appreciate this topic. This is a great one, and I want to continue on how exposed men are real men. This is a big topic, and I know we've touched on it before the break, but uh, before we get to that, let me jump on one question a listener asked. What does it look like to hold fast when we have failed many tests in the past? Do we just embrace forgiveness and start fresh?
2: Such a good question. I think that uh, it's challenging because, you know, we, we do fail at times, uh, but we do have to get back up again. And if you really uh, uh, merge this with the context of the last person that was on this show, who talked about holiness. There's a state of understanding ourselves that is so important in the Christian life. And this is not trite. This is important. We sometimes will fail. Therefore, we think we are a failure, and that is wrong. Mm-hmm. We are not a failure. We are holy, chosen, dearly loved, it says in First Peter chapter 2. We are a child of the Most High God. That is reality. And so we have to embrace this identity reality, or as your last guest said, holiness, that we are holy as he is holy. Holy. Therefore, that's our reality. While we do fail, yes, we repent. We seek forgiveness. We seek restoration reconciliation, and then we move on in the reality because if we continue to live in that state of fallenness, we'll eventually preach it enough to ourselves that we'll believe it. So that's the unfortunate part about it is sometimes we hear these voices and these echoes of a past life or past failings or the repeating of a sin. I've done a series on defeating repetitive sin that we experience these repetitive sins so much right, Mm -hmm. that we believe that we're fallen. Now, of course, Paul had his thorn in the flesh. He repeated it. Yet, at the same time, he was still a servant and a subject and a slave of Jesus Christ. I wonder why Paul said that at the beginning of all his letters so many times. I wonder if it's because he needed to say it to himself, preach it to himself, because it was the gospel that was true, not the lie of the failure. So that's how I would respond to that great question. That is a great question.
0: All right, let's go back to a cycle of fear and shame and how it causes men to hide behind this false and incorrect understanding of masculinity. I'm real curious as to, you know, how the the listeners today would define masculinity. Yeah, it's, you it's know, a hot topic today. It,
2: it is a super hot topic. I, I tend to look at the word masculinity as an understanding of manhood through a worldly lens. I know that's my own, that's my own little de- definition here, but I think it's how the world looks at men is through this idea of masculinity. I think the Bible speaks to a different topic, which is manhood mm-hmm. and what it looks like to be a man because to be a real man, i know that's a hot topic too but to be a real man is to be a child of god the literally of god that's where we find manhood or manhood finds us rather is when god creates us and masculinity is the pursuit of our own way that's what adam and eve did in the garden they pursued their construct of masculinity and they thought that eating of the tree was going to give them something that was going to glorify themselves so they could become something like God. I would say that's not the pursuit, but that's what we repeat over and over and over again. That's why I started the show with talking about those different ways that we pursue manhood, because we believe them. We become convinced by our own constructs that our pursuit of manhood is better than God's pursuit of manhood, or womanhood for that matter. Therefore, we end up... (laughs) really confused about our identity, but God was not confused about it. God actually took the identity question off the table. He said, I'm going to give you an identity. You pursue it. It's based in my word. I'm going to even give you instructions for living it out. It's not that confusing. I created you. I created you with intent and purpose. So pursue that. It's really simple.
0: (laughs) Mm, I like that. So this expression about becoming a real real man or being real men i know that is going to be problematic for some because maybe you've heard the expression you got a man up and that's something that maybe a kid heard when he was uh, injured when he was 11 and he was told to man up that could be something that could be tough on a kid's psyche And, and do you ever hear that being used on the other side you got a woman up
2: uh, you know, I don't think I've ever heard yeah. that <laughs> someone probably uses it somewhere, okay. but I agree with you. I think it's a very damaging very damaging phraseology. I think we need to delete it from our language. I have really never used it. I do hear people use it, but it's a very weaponized and misunderstood and culturally redefined phrase. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I myself stay away from those kind that kind of weaponization of words because it it has a lot of bad stuff relate that relates to it and i don't think you know really god was encouraging us to do that kind of man up it's not man up in your own strength like again going back to aristotle and his his book on neomankian ethics ethics the pursuit of those virtues he was encouraging men to pursue pursue them within themselves by their own strength That's exactly the opposite direction from which God wants us to pursue what it means to be a real man. Mm -hmm. That's what James is talking about here. The way we pursue being a real man is to become hearers and doers of the word. That's it. Because there we find our very definition, we discover what it means to be man and woman, I believe, by the way, at the same time. I think these principles can all be taught to women. But uh, the point is, is that for us to become the men that we were designed to be, we must follow the maker's design and nobody else. Mm -hmm. Nobody else. Because the world is shouting, you know, all these messages that are contrary to God's word. We've really got to filter that stuff through a new lens. This is not... The pursuit of manhood, I would suggest when we say man up, because I think it conveys the wrong idea about masculinity it conveys things to me like uh, be tough, be independent be uh be self-sufficient and and that is nothing of what God said right you know uh, he said, be dependent on me yeah. <laughs> for everything Be in fellowship with one another You're, yeah I know be in fellowship with other brothers James is uh, referencing all that in fact one of your uh, your guests wrote uh, something about pursuing that pure milk James makes that same comment that we pursue that milk as if we are the imagery is dependent and nursing on god for everything that we need in vitality that's how we pursue it is craving after the pure milk of the word of god Mm -hmm. all right vince let's talk about the desires of real men oh boy (laughs)
0: that's <laughs> what what are what are the desires and and they 're given to us by God, so how do we use them to glorify him?
2: okay, so you know desires are I think one of these things that men don't often think about in fact um, when it when it when it comes to becoming a Christian, uh, I think a lot of people think okay i 'm going to move from a list of bad things to a list of good things right that's how we think about it because our whole life right? Our whole physical life, we've been, been indoctrinated with behavior change, that that's how you pursue change. But I don't believe that that's at all how we pursue change. Is just by, I call it list switching or behavior switching, moving from a list of bad behaviors to a list of good behaviors, or for that matter, stopping bad behaviors and then trying to start good behaviors. What God was always after is he's always after the desires. And here's, here's the great part. He gave us desires. He actually formed them in us, and he wants us to desire them. But most of the time, we spend most of our life pursuing our own desires. In fact, pre-Christ, that's what we did. We pursued all of our own desires our own way. That's what we did. And then when we become a Christian, we've got to reorient our life toward God's desires and what he wants for and from us. But this is very challenging for us, isn't it? So we think to get the desires to change that we're going to just stop bad behaviors or start good ones. And I got to tell you, it's not that effective of a methodology for really changing the heart. Now, sometimes it works. Sometimes... Moving and stopping bad behaviors and starting good ones helps. It might help to initiate the process, but what God wants us to do is to desire him with all our being and all our heart. And this is hard to unlearn when we have taught the flesh our whole whole life that we're just going to stop and start behaviors. Therefore, this is insufficient Effort. So what I tell men to do is specifically from the book of James here in James chapter four, he talks about this. Here's, here's what uh, James says in James four, verse one. I'm just going to read it. He says, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have. So you murder, you covet and cannot obtain, So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask so wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Now, what James notices in the church here, obviously, and in men, I would say, is that we have these passions that are way out of order within us. And I think what's been happening in our world and in our country today is our, our passions are just kind of like violently shaken right now because our world is turned upside down. So that's actually what's happening in these churches here is James writes this letter. He, he wants people to know that they're trying to pursue things, but they're pursuing it their way, not God's way. He wants them to pursue God's passions and therefore his behaviors his way. So he's saying to him, in his essence, this, you got to get your desires not under your control, not under your control. You got to get your desires under his control. You got to figure out what God really wants, what he desires, and then pursue that. And then actions will follow and it will actually be less weaponized towards each other. And I think this is exactly what we're trying to understand inside of our own soul right now, inside of the soul of this country. We have been turned upside down from the inside out. It's as if you know someone shuffled up all the tiny little pieces on us and we don't know how to put it back together and what we want to do is we want life to go back to normal because we were used to life back to normal but what has happened in this world is god has revealed and he has exposed to some things and through this pandemic he has shuffled everything up and it's caused our passions to run all over the place and people are saying things to people in wrongful ways and even hurtful ways christians are even doing this and Unfortunately, they're not getting their passions under control because it's not about behaviors alone. Behaviors follow passions. It's not just about stopping evil things because why? Desires and passions, right, are followed by godly actions. So we've got to get these desires under our control. It's not just simply behavior switching. Therefore, I tell people the same things that James says. You've got to preach to your desires on a regular basis you know we preach to our desires by doing what what james says here actually at the at the end of james four he says this he says you say come now you who say today or tomorrow we're going to go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit.'" Yet you do not know tomorrow what it will bring. What is your life? For you are but a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and we will do this or that. Now, I love this because here's what James is saying. You have no problem preaching what you want to do, right? You have no problem preaching what you think is going to happen in the future. Instead of preaching what you think is going to happen in the future, why don't you preach back to those desires, and say, well, if God wills, then we will do this or that, and get those passions and those desires under his control, bring them under his dominion, for they're better there, and then what will result is what God wants. And we don't like that, because we want to be under control of our lives. We want to go back to life as normal. And I think this pandemic has revealed and exposed men It's revealed and exposed all of us, hasn't it? Because you and I, Bill, we know this. Mm. This pandemic hasn't produced any new problems. Not one. Not one. You don't think a pandemic existed before 2019? I mean, pandemics have flooded the earth before our day. Shoot, James was living through a pandemic. He was living through a time of famine. They understood pandemics and sickness, but you know what the pandemic has done? It has exposed us all. It has rattled our world, and it's causing us to behave very oddly because all of a sudden it's exposed all of our weak points. Do you really think that men didn't have marriage problems before the pandemic or that maybe the pandemic exposed what was already going on? Do you really think that men didn't have... Compulsions before the pandemic or the fact that life changed and they couldn't hide anymore exposed all those issues. I mean, I know I'm right about this one. This pandemic hasn't created one new issue. But what it has done is it's exposed us as people. And what James is saying it's doing here is it's creating fights and quarrels because our desires are out of control. And what we need to do is not try to control our desires or control other people or control what's happening in our future, or go back even to some old normal so we can hide again, but rather that we really need to embrace this moment because God is doing something. He's up to something. He's building something. And through this pandemic, he is exposing us and he's exposing our desires so that we can bring them under his control, which is where we need to be. And then in those moments, what I've chosen to do, Bill, is I've chosen to preach this one message to my desires when it gets out of control. God, it's your will, not mine. Your will, not mine. Your will, not mine. And I just keep preaching that to myself when I have these moments, when I get frustrated with the news, frustrated with what's going on in the country, frustrated with business, frustrated with marriage. I just preach back to them. God, not your will. I just totally blew that moment. No, that's okay. (laughs) I know exactly what you were saying. Not my will. Not my will, God. But your will. But your will. And I think that's the message we need to
0: preach. My guest is Vince Miller after 17 shots of espresso. (laughs) After a short break, we'll be right back with lots more.
1: You're listening to an Encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance.
0: A little soothing music to soothe the guest down. <laughs> <laughs> You're on fire today, brother. <laughs> I love you, man. it. I'm I glad. love it, and listeners love it. So thank you so much. Vince Miller's my guest. BeResolute.org. B-E-R-E-S-O-L-U-T-E e.org be resolute.org we're talking about the desires of real men and you are uh really beautifully sharing how this uh time in this season of our world life this pandemic mm-hmm. is exposing what's our al- always been there and just bringing it to the surface we have to take it to god and say not my will
2: but thy will be done yeah I've- was i listening well yeah, I think okay. you actually were. You were taking notes. I, well, think. I wasn't so taking notes? Okay. For okay. That, you know? got <laughs> a good memory. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that you know, while I know it's uncomfortable to live through the season for so many people, um, I think the one message we as Christians got to keep preaching is we got to keep preaching that to ourselves, and we got to keep preaching it to ourselves when we know that we're facing a job loss, financial loss, marital. Pains right uh, uh, we're experiencing confusion about our future uh we're experiencing challenge challenges with our children. You know, if we keep preaching that message to ourselves, I think we'll suddenly discover the power of James chapter four here God's will, not mine, because really God is doing something in it that we can't see. This brings us back all the way to the first chapter of James. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials. Of many kinds, right? Because there's something being produced there. We just can't see it. And I think in these moments that are really unsettling to us, while it's hard to preach God's will, not mine, right? God's will, not mine. It's almost an effort to convince ourselves that God's word is actually true. Right. Because we're going to have these moments that that really shatter us, Bill, that they're going to be our undoing. But again, going back to the other topics we've already discussed today, it's OK to be undone. It's OK to be exposed. It's OK, because in this, God is producing all these incredible benefits. And for the people out there that thinks James is theologically weak, I would say, no, he is not. He is profoundly strong because he is Preaching to people in a very pragmatic and simple way that we're all going to face challenges just like he did, just like his older half brother did, who was also his Lord and Savior. And we're all going to face these moments. And there are moments that, that purify us, that refine us, that, that strengthen us and prepare us for the next season. And I got to tell you, I think God is up to something right now. There is definitely a deconstruction going on in the world right now. But at the same time, God is building something because I know this, the stone, the builder has rejected, has become the cornerstone and he's building something right now, Christian brothers and sisters, that, that is going to be epic in the coming years. And he's going to use us to do it. If we can hold fast, if we can count it joy, if we can live with this exposure, if we can say things like God's will, not mine, you just wait, God's up to something and it's going to be big. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Fans, when we uh, remind listeners that James is challenging us to live exposed and not in hiding, when you do your work with men and conferences and mentoring and everything else you do, what percentage do you think are men
2: in hiding? I think all men hide some ways. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. we all hide some ways. I, I've tried to do less and less hiding over the years, less and less hiding behind my problems, the issues I'm facing. And I have found that if if my if if we can just take one step into that, one step into it, we discover a taste of something that we never want to go back to, because I really believe that all men hide in some way. Some are better at hiding than others, for sure, for sure. But uh, if you haven't come out of hiding through this pandemic or through this time, that 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 exposure is so good for you yes they're suffering (laughs) you know men and women out there need to hear this that coming out of hiding is going to create suffering for yourself and it will probably to some extent create suffering for other people and that's I think some sometimes the reason why we hide we're worried not only about the pain that we're going to experience but the pain that other people are going to experience if we come out of that hiding But the longer that we stay there, the bigger the prison that gets, the bigger the edifice of self becomes, the more complex the problem becomes, and the longer we truncate what it means to be a man of God. Like, we've got to stop that. So if there's guys out there hiding today, I want to encourage you to just come out of hiding and begin. You can hit the need prayer button on your website. On my website, doesn't really matter. I'll pray for you. Bill, I know, Will here too, and Faith Radio. But you got to come out of hiding. you got to take a step out of hiding today. And I know there's listeners listening right now who are hiding, who are hiding something, and you're feeling the burden of it. And today, right now, is a moment to confess that. You need to go to someone and take a first step with it. I don't know how big that step is. Sometimes that step is very, very small. Hit a need prayer button, share it, I'll pray for you. Go to be BeResolute.com Org, I'll pray for you. I promise I'll pray for you. Or maybe you need to go right now and turn the radio program off and go text your wife or a friend or a loved one literally right now and act upon it before the impulse goes away, before the conviction goes away. I mean, literally right now. Or maybe you need to find a group of buds or uh, 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 a small group at your church, and you need to connect to that and start opening up about it. Because I, I tell you, it once you come out of hiding, God does a miraculous spiritual work in you. And until you've done it, you don't know it. But the men who have done it have testimonies that will blow your mind. You work with these guys in incarceration, mm-hmm. Bill. You yeah. you know, you've seen it over and over and over again. It's always an exposed man that's become a more mature man who's discovered God on the other side of it. And he goes, I never want to go back to living that way ever. So, I mean, listeners today, they got to take a step. You got to take a step with something. Send a text, hit a need prayer button, ask someone to pray for you, join a mentoring group, join a small group, call up a friend, talk to your spouse. I really don't care, but do something. Don't do nothing. That's always my encouragement to guys. Mm-hmm. Take action, huh? Yeah, take action on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you kind of lit up the
0: text train a little bit today, Vince. Nice job. Hey, hey, I'm excited for people. Well, I can tell. No, it's yeah. really good that you're excited, and. We want to send people uh, to uh, MyFaithRadio.com. Uh, Vince's episode today, I've already had uh, someone ask, is it going to be replayed tonight? We have the show replayed at 11 o'clock Central Time. All right. And I think your hour will be that hour, I believe. So if you're uh, right. having trouble sleeping tonight at 11, you can listen to yourself uh, <laughs> ranting and raving yeah, on I my show. So,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And also you can go to MyFaithRadio.com and go to my show page, Afternoons with Bill, and the episode will be available about 15 minutes after we finish today's show. So you can listen to it again, or you can send it to a friend. Uh, Maybe that's what you need to do, send it to a friend and say, you and I need to listen to this, and we need to talk to each other and and get exposed, right? Amen. Yeah, as iron sharpens iron, one man another. Mm Mm-hmm. You're so good at that. So beresolute.org is Vince's website. Any other uh, last-minute uh, last word you want to give?
2: You know, I would say if there's guys out there uh, looking for a men's speaker for an event at any time, I would love to come I'm to available. your event. I'm available. Yeah, no, me was, and Bill. Me and th- Bill will come. Okay, guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is all the time we have for today. Thank you so much, Vince Miller, for being here in studio and being my amazing guest. You did an awesome job today. And bresolute.org is Vince's website. And, of course, this episode will be available 15 minutes after the uh, show ends today. And it'll probably be replayed tonight on the replay. Thank you for uh, being with me today. I I, uh, just love our time together, and I'm looking forward to tomorrow. The prayer series continues tomorrow. Dr. Peter Kapsner, our guests, will be the one and only Susie Larson and her husband, Kev. That's all ahead tomorrow. Look forward to spending that time with you. I'll see you soon.